When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. My name is Grace Fowler, and today we are going to talk about a little bit of an update episode for Britney Spears, and I'm going to tie that into the new, well not new case, but the new information about Amanda Bynes and just kind of do a little more uh, discussion about conservatorships. So if you haven't listened to my episode about Britney Spears, it was one of the first episodes I did. I think it's episode three. Um, I recommend that you go back to that and listen to it because I talk more specifically about the Britney Spears case and this was recorded before her conservatorship had been ended by the judge. Um, so there's, it's it's not all of the information, but it is a good um, kind of overview of what we knew about the case before the end of the conservatorship, as well as I discussed an article that I think is really important um, in this case that talked about the kind of discrimination or like stereotypes that people hold about poor white women from the South and how that really impacted the Britney Spears case. Um, And I think that that article and kind of that discussion I had, that understanding of that concept is really on, uh, on display here in the difference in how people react to Britney Spears versus Amanda Bynes. So all of that to say, if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you go back to listen to that one. Uh, Cause with Britney Spears, I'm just going to pick up where basically that episode left off and just do a quick kind of wrap up because her case has now, you know, fortunately come, come to an end, at least her, her involvement in the legal conservatorship. So in November 12th of 2021, uh, Britney Spears's conservatorship officially came to the end. Um, And if you'll recall, there was uh, the conservatorship for her covered her person and her estate. So that meant that her conservator, which was unfortunately her father, uh, actually she had two. Her father was over her person and there was a separate estate one. And that actually became one of the big issues was having um, her father trying to make decisions that he shouldn't have been able to make if he's not the conservator of her estate. Um, but so she had a conservator of her person, which means um, that conservator makes decisions about like Britney Spears actual being. So most of that is like medical decisions. So that would be like, you know, deciding if she needs to go get treatment for something, the conservator is kind of tasked with setting up those appointments or setting up access to that treatment and make kind of making those calls. Whereas of the estate is in charge of all of her financial issues. And so the big conflict was that um, the her father was making decisions about her money that Britney Spears was not happy with, understandably, and he was making a lot of money off of her. Um, and because she was, had a conservative over her estate, she wasn't able to make those financial decisions herself. So that was one of the like first kind of respites that she got was they appointed a new conservator over her estate so that someone who was not blood related to her was in charge of her finances. 
Um, and according to this really stone article I found, the judge who ended Britney's conservatorship um, did kind of grant her estate conservator permission to keep working with Britney as she settles her financial situation because, you know, Britney Spears was under this conservatorship for 14 years. And so that all of a sudden be responsible for a massive estate because she is worth a lot of money. Uh, that's a big shift. So I think some people, I don't know, you may have a reaction to knowing that her, her estate conservator was still working with her after the conservatorship officially ended. But I think that it's actually a really good idea because that's a lot of shifting in like responsibility for money, especially massive amounts of money. And for someone who's a celebrity, like it's not just the money you make from your job, but it's managing a lot of assets and a lot of um, things related to your work, especially as a musician. Um, you know, Britney Spears does have to manage like her catalog and her music. Um, and there's lots of, I don't know, very complicated financial things that I'm not qualified to speak about. <laughs> but that would be, I think, really difficult for someone who's never had to deal with this kind of situation before so I, I think that makes perfect sense but so as it stands Britney Spears is no longer under her conservatorship and something that I learned through the new information that had come out since the recording of the last episode I did that Britney Spears was actually on a probate conservatorship which in the state of California is uh, typically reserved for elderly people um, and doesn't have any requirements for like a uh, kind of a temporary uh, like pre-conservatorship, like the, there's not as many steps to get the full conservatorship for probate conservatorships. Um, they they also don't need to be generated from referrals from the mental health system. They can be ref generated from anyone, any referral source. And th these are t why I say they're typically used with elderly people is that they're they're typically used in the case where someone has developed dementia or an, an a disease like Alzheimer's where they're going to lose certain cognitive function, which means the ability to make certain decisions for themselves. So the conservator is put in place to make those decisions for them with the hope being that the person who is conserved is able to communicate what decisions they would want to be made for them before the like, cognitive decline begins. So Britney Spears was under a probate conservatorship and there was documents that came out that her father actually tried to prove that she had dementia at like 28. Like in 2007 when the, f the conservatorship was first like put out there and Britney Spears had that very uh, unfortunate encounters with pap uh, paparazzi which was called a meltdown but I think was really you know egged on by people who were trying to make money off of her but you know again listen to the other episode. Um yeah, her dad was trying to prove that she had dementia, and that's why she was eligible for a probate conservatorship, um, which, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so again, this isn't, you know, my expertise is not in the legal side of things, um, but I, I mentioned in the in the Britney Spears episode that I think one of the issues is that judges who don't work in family court maybe are not aware of, like, the very kind of sketchy family dynamics that can come up in dysfunctional families in which it seems like this could be a dysfunctional family with her dad being just like wildly irresponsible uh, with, with his, the decisions that he was making. And Britney Spears has said as much that she, you know, is cut it kind of cutting off contact with some of her family members because of the way they treated her through this. Um, and so, you know, it, it just, it, it, I think it is really baffling to think of like, how could someone believe that a 20 year old woman has dementia just because her dad shows up and says it, you know, and he, you know, obviously he had to have documentation of it, but, 
that, that this was just kind of like a coordinated effort to prove that this young woman had dementia so that they could put her on a more essentially a more stringent conservatorship than if they tried to go the route of a mental health conservatorship which is a lps and i'll talk about that a little bit more but all that to say is that um that gives us i think a little bit more understanding of why the conservatorship that britney spears was under was a little more harsh or seemed maybe a little more uh, overbearing and she also has recently come out since november and has been doing interviews and posting things on her social media to give like kind of her side of the story um and and she shared some really horrific tales about how she was treated while under the conservatorship including things like having to like change and be naked in front of her treatment team or in front of her conservators, having to work for 10 hours a day, being on like a very rigid schedule. She's also talked publicly about being forced to take medication and being forced to go to therapy that she, you know, didn't want to take or didn't want to go to. I, I, I just think overall that, that Br- the Britney Spears case has kind of served to be an example of what can go wrong when the legal system has to get involved in like personal decisions right like in legal and uh, medical and financial decisions Britney Spears's case really highlights this kind of dark side of this system um and how it can be used maybe in the wrong way or um where maybe the the legal system doesn't have as much oversight because you would hope that if the court is going to put you in a conservatorship there would be follow up to that right like accountability that the person who is your conservator is meeting your needs as outlined by the court and and that also can happen is that the court will determine like specifically what areas the conservator needs to be in charge of right like for Brittany it was her estate and her person but for some people it's just for their estate and they retain the right to make decisions about their person or vice versa they have a conservator over the person but they retain their like ownership or decision making over their finances um, so you would hope that whatever the court laid out was like necessary for this case would be followed through with, but it seems from Brittany's own accounts of what happened to her, that is not necessarily the case. So, uh, you know, I think kind of to wrap up her tale, I think we can all be in agreement that it is, it was the right time. Like it was probably too late, <laughs> late, <laughs> but she is more stable. She's able to be off of the conservatorship kind of making decisions for herself and getting to focus on her personal life in a way that probably wouldn't even have been affected by the conservatorship if it had been done correctly, like if her father had run it correctly. Um, But I think everyone who is a fan of Britney Spears is feeling maybe more at ease now that we know what's going on with her. She's able to talk about what's happening to her and able to give more information about the conservatorship because for a long time, whether it was because of her conservators or because of her own fear or own concern with sharing her story, we didn't know a lot from Brittany's side of the story. And so she's really getting to kind of take back ownership of that. And so that's where I want to wrap it up with her is like, she's taking ownership of what happened to her and telling her story in the way that works for her. Um, And I, I think that's, going to be really similar to kind of what we talk about with Amanda Bynes um, and her conservatorship, which is actually a different type of conservatorship. So I'm going to transition over to that story now because after Britney's conservatorship was ended, people began to kind of focus on Amanda Bynes because she has been under a conservatorship for about nine years. And she recently filed paperwork this year to end her conservatorship. And I believe the court date is on the 22nd. So that's 
coming up soon because it is it's the 22nd of march um and so there will be a decision made if amanda has to stay under the conservatorship or not but before i get into that i wanted to kind of give a kind of quick background on amanda Bynes and kind of the timeline of what happened leading up to her conservatorship because i think it is interesting in how it mirrors the tale or kind of timeline of britney spears as well but they are unique um and i think they like each woman each woman's story is her own story right and again I'm not here to diagnose anyone. The only diagnoses that I will be discussing are coming from interviews or like the, where there have been direct quotes from Amanda Bynes um, about her diagnoses. And so to start off, though, I do want to say in an article in 2018, she did quote, she said, quote, that was always really bothersome to me. If you deny anything and tell them what it actually is, they don't believe you. Truly for me, my behavior was drug induced. And whenever I got off drugs, I was always back to normal. And she said that in response to headlines diagnosing her with things that are, are not her true diagnoses before she had come out and said what she had been diagnosed with. Um, and so that's why I'm not going to be discussing anything else because from her own words, she this was very difficult for her to see media outlets um, diagnosing her without really knowing what's going on. Um, and, you know, like like with the Britney Spears case, even in 2013, which was like five years after Britney's um, like main publicity or paparazzi encounter, um, the articles written about Amanda Bynes that the, the wording is true, truly terrible. Um, and there's a lot of shaming a lot of blaming amanda for kind of the situation that she's in um and no real care to kind of consider her perspective so i wanted to start before i talk about her history with her perspective of she she conceptualizes her behavior as being drug induced and so when she is sober or when she's working on her sobriety she doesn't have as many um issues and she so she believes that her behavior is is drug induced which totally valid and if that's her experience and what she's working on when treatment then that's her experience and and how she conceptualizes her behavior so that's what we're going to go with that much of her uh issues are are drug induced or substance induced um and that means that there doesn't need to be any discussion of like personality disorders or any other types of like schizophrenia or mood disorders that she hasn't like publicly identified with. Now she has spoke about being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and there are um, substance induced mood disorders, which includes bipolar disorder. Um, so it is entirely possible that her official diagnosis, if we you know really need to put labels on it is substance induced, uh, a mood disorder, or substance induced bipolar disorder. Um, but those are, that's the only disorder mental health issue she's defined is substance use and bipolar disorder. So no, there's no need to, to speculate about anything else because we don't work with her, right? <laughs> We're not her treatment team. Um, so all of that to say, let's let's kind of talk about Amanda Bynes. So if you don't know, if you're not familiar, Amanda Bynes is um, uh, an actor. She has been in movies and TV shows. Um, she was really big in the 90s. She started acting in the 90s and in the mid and early 2000s, she her career really kicked off. Um, she's fairly young. She is uh, 35 years old. She was born in 1986. And at the age of seven, she began, uh, she began acting. So she got, uh, started working in commercials 
1996, so that would be when she's about 10 years old, she was cast in the Nickelodeon show All That, which was basically like SNL for children. So it was like a sketch comedy show um, for people who are my age. You probably grew up watching this or were at least familiar with the kids who were cast on it, um, many of whom, you know, now went on to have careers in comedy or, you know, continued acting. Um, but Amanda really shone uh, on the show. She she was a standout actress on all all that, and she was given her own sketch comedy show called The Amanda Show. Now I remember watching The Amanda Show when I was little, because um, I'm about I'm a, uh, a less than like ten years younger than Amanda Bynes. So growing up when I was watching The Amanda Show, it, it was on reruns, but. Um, you know, she was like a cool girl. <laughs> she was like a cool older girl. Like she was really funny. Um, the show required her to do lots of characters. Um, she, she, uh, she really ran the show too. You could tell like she, she was in charge of the show. Um, but she only had that show for three years and ended in like 2002, at which point she kind of shifted over to taking on more like traditional acting roles rather than doing the sketch shows. So she started acting in TV and movies in 2006. This is kind of like, I think the peak of her career, she takes on, she's the man. She took a role and she's the man. So again, for my older or younger listeners who did not grow up in this very specific time of pop culture, um, she's the man is based on a Shakespeare play. It's, I believe the taming of the shrew and Amanda Bynes plays two characters. She plays uh, a girl and a boy, uh, who are brother and sister. And the girl character is a soccer player, but she kind of isn't getting, she isn't taken seriously and is kind of told to be more feminine. Um, you know, she's not given as many opportunities, but her brother gets into a school and he's accepted on the soccer team. Um, but he doesn't care. He, like, he's a, he's a musician. He doesn't want to be an athlete. So she takes his place. She like dresses up as him, takes on his identity so that she can go get into the school, play on the soccer team and, and do follow her dream. So for the entire movie, she's switching back and forth and playing this like male and female role. And of course it's the classic, um, he's dressed like a boy, but the main boy still falls in love with her, you know, ensue a little bit of homophobia, <laughs> uh, very similar to like the plot of Mulan, right? Where it's like, this guy falls in love with a, a girl who's dressed up like a boy. And then the underlying theme is like, oh, well, all along he knew something, somehow he knew she was a girl, whatever. Uh, we can talk about that at a different point. The point is, is that she's the man really kicked off or not kicked off, but I think is kind of like the height of Amanda Bynes's career of her getting like these big, big roles, like leading movies. And basically this entire movie is her because she has these multiple roles. Um, but in more recent interviews um, in the last few years, she's talked about how this role was really difficult for her. And this may have been the beginning of her struggling with some body issues, which, which sounds like dysmorphia. Again, I'm not diagnosing with body dysmorphia or dysphoria, but based on what she's said, about how difficult it was to watch herself in the boy makeup. Um, she she was really she's been really open about this in interviews. There's a great one in Paper Magazine that I'm I'm gonna link to in the sources um, from 2018 where she talks about this, and it was just really hard for her to see her body and see the way that she looked with the boy makeup on when she watched the film, um, and that. In this movie, she had to be in the boy makeup for a very long time. It'd be like you know entire days. Whereas in all that or the Amanda show she would play boy characters uh in the sketches but she only had to be in those costumes for you know like two or three minutes tops 
uh, on screen. But this was the first time where she saw herself in that makeup or that type of outfit for a, a long time, like, you know, an hour, 90 minutes. Um, plus, the filming for that required her to be in the makeup for a lot longer than it would have on the sketch shows. So she really began having difficulty seeing herself on the screen from this point. And she she has described this as like kind of having difficulty with balancing how she had to present for the role and how she she sees her own body. Um, so 2006 is this like peak of her career. She keeps acting in 2008. She's in Hairspray. She's also in Easy A. Uh, she's in a movie called Hall Pass. She's in quite a few movies. But then by 2010, she kind of publicly announces on Twitter that she is going to take a hiatus from acting and she essentially quits acting. Um, and I'm not going to talk too much about her social media use, but any of these articles you look up, especially from the time of like from 2010 to like 2015, they talk a lot about her Twitter. She got kind of called out by a lot of other celebrities on Twitter. Like even Courtney Cobain tweeted at her to like calm down. Um, she, she was like really publicly kind of going through it on her social media. And, you know, I don't know if that, that needs to be a huge focus of this episode, but I did want to acknowledge it. If you see it coming up that a lot of these stories will talk about like Amanda Bynes is having a meltdown. And then all it is, is they're screenshotting like four or five of her tweets, which to be fair, aren't the best things that you would want to tweet and are not something I would tweet from a professional Twitter account. Um, probably not even from a private Twitter account. But again, it's it's her social media presence, right? It, it's not, she wasn't actually doing any harm to anyone. She's just kind of acting through or working through some things on Twitter and a lot of the so-called evidence for her mental health state status at the time was these tweets, which I don't know if that's, necessarily uh di- like diagnostic criteria <laughs> uh or something we should consider but it, it like if you're familiar with this case or if you're going to look up her her story uh you're gonna see her her twitter a lot but so that was kind of i think the beginning of also people looking to her twitter to see like what she was going through because she used her twitter to announce that she was no longer going to be acting um, in 2012, so about two years later, she had her first DUI arrest. Um, she, th- from this point on till about 2017, she she's going to struggle with substances, um, mainly Adderall, uh, which she had been prescribed for ADHD. Um, per an interview she gave, she said she was prescribed it, but she was overusing it and Uh, At one point, she was even chewing it uh, in an attempt to get more of a high out of it. So she was definitely uh, not using Adderall in the prescribed way. And she's been open about that. Um, But again, in that paper um, magazine interview, which I think is great, uh, and I highly recommend it, she said that one of the reasons she started to use Adderall, even be interested in Adderall, was that um, she saw an article that it was called like a skinny pill, that it could help you stay skinny. So I think this in contrast or in connection with what she's talked about with her body issues, especially after she's the man, I think that she was really struggling with uh, her body. And this seemed like a wonder pill of not only would it help her attention and help her with her ADHD symptoms, but it would help her with her body. It was kind of like a, a double treatment for, for what she saw was a problem. Um, and again, and I, I don't have sources in the source page for this. Cause this was just kind of like gross stuff I saw online, but I did see some things that especially 
when she first started acting or when she was um, starting to go through some of this stuff with substances and mental health, a lot of people talk about how she has like a baby face or she has like a round face, you know, implying that she looks fat or she looks like round. Um, And so I I can only imagine that that didn't help as well. Um, And, you know, similar things happened with Britney Spears, right? Where like when she shaved her head or uh as, especially as she got older right people when she first came on the scene people were making bets about like when she turned 18 and they would ask her if she was a virgin um i i really see that as a parallel between Brittany and amanda um but amanda's i think comments were really more focused on her looks and calling her names or using words to describe her appearance that were not very kind or necessarily or necessary, right? Like, is it necessary to describe her as someone with a round face? Like, if, if you're not, if you're talking about her work and you're not talking about, like, what she looks like. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. And I think especially given what she shared in publicly about how she felt about her body at the time, I don't think those comments were particularly helpful either. Um, and kind of probably fuel to provides a so-called evidence for her own thoughts about what her body looked like whatever those may be so I just thought it was interesting that she she is pretty open about she was pulled to Adderall because it there was some idea that it would make her skinny um, which I think implicitly implies she thought she was not skinny and that she was trying to be skinny so that's how we end up in 2012 she also she was uh, arrested several times for drinking and driving although she has stated that she doesn't drink alcohol um, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what about that. I don't need to speculate about that, but she has been open about using Adderall and marijuana. So in 20, I think 2012 or 2013, she was arrested in New York state in New York city for possession of marijuana. And remember, this was a time when marijuana was not legal, uh, especially recreational marijuana. So it is unfortunate that she was charged for this, even though now she, she wouldn't have been. Uh, charged or arrested for that um however she also was charged at that time for tampering with evidence because she threw her bong out of her window when the police showed up at her house um however between the dui there's a couple like duis and hit hit and runs she was charged with and then the possession of marijuana a lot of her charges were dropped or her sentences were greatly reduced to probation so amanda Bynes really didn't spend much time in jail aside from like being booked Um, And, you know, because I do work in a correctional facility, I do kind of want to acknowledge that this is a point of privilege in that she got arrested for things that normal people and especially men of color get arrested for and get put in jail for for a very long time. Um, And I see people coming through the facility where I work who are being arrested for things like vandalism or theft of property um and they're being kept in jail whereas amanda is was given like these these lesser sentences um or even having the charges dropped for things that quote unquote could have been more serious charges than something like vandalism so i just i think it is important to acknowledge that when we talk about celebrities or we talk about pop culture and stuff like this like there is a point of privilege here where uh, a person who was not rich or famous um, w- for these charges would be put in jail and told, like, you have to learn your lesson in jail, right? But but people who are not, people who are rich or famous are, are you know, maybe <laughs> seen as, like, that's not going to work for them or they don't need to sit in jail and think about what they've done wrong. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I did want to acknowledge that. 
because it, it, it doesn't sit right with me. And, you know, especially at the time when marijuana was illegal in California, which is where I am, you know, there are people who are still in jail for possession of marijuana and are, are, are in prison and are, you know, f- fighting to be let out. And in many states where it, it is still considered illegal, even recreational or, or medicinal, um, people are, are getting arrested and put in jail for a long time for possession or use of marijuana. Um, and so that's just that's something that I think is such a big failing in our country is that we are keeping people in jail or prison for marijuana when there are people who are now making tons of money off of opening legal dispensaries in states like California or Colorado. Um, and, you know, it's it's not equal treatment for everybody who uses marijuana. Um, and regardless of what you think about substance use, right, maybe maybe you don't personally use marijuana and that's fine you know, there's no, this is not a do marijuana podcast. Um, but I think regardless of how you feel about the substance or whether you personally use it or not, I think it is important to kind of examine, like, is this something that should lead to people being put into jail for a very long time, particularly when it is like individual possession or it is, you know, not part of a a larger, uh, maybe drug ring or situation like that. But again, this is not a legal podcast. So this is, this is a little diversion, but I did want to, uh, you know, acknowledge that, especially in the context of, of Amanda Bynes not serving uh, a lot of time for some of the, the charges she had. So in, uh, 2013, the conservatorship starts, um, and it was started after Amanda was arrested for allegedly setting fire to someone's driveway. Apparently, she was found in a driveway with a can of gasoline, um, and the police came and arrested her, and then they took her to a, a psychiatric hospital to be evaluated. Um, this is now that I wanted to acknowledge that this is something that does happen is that, um, especially in California, if you are arrested and there is any reason why the law enforcement person thinks you're not fit to go to jail right away, whether it's a medical condition or a mental health condition, or you appear to be under the influence of substances, they have to take you to the hospital to be cleared. So, you know, that stereotype of like the drunk tank, right. Of like, we, you know, you just put the drunk guy, or girl, or gal, or pal, <laughs> in a cell and let them sober up. Uh, that doesn't happen in in California. I, I I don't know about other places in the U.S. or the world, but in California, that that can't happen anymore. If you are under the influence of substances at the time of arrest, and it is notable by the person arresting you, they have to take you to the hospital to make sure that you are not going to be seriously injured. Uh, or killed by like withdrawal or are any issues with that, especially with things like opioids or alcohol, where serious use of those substances uh, w- and then withdrawal from them can lead to death, right? Or like serious, serious medical conditions. So, so that is, it, it wasn't a special case then that uh, if they took Amanda to the hospital right after arresting her, uh, especially if if they had any indication that she had some sort of mental or medical condition at the time of arrest they, they would have taken her to the hospital um a- after this um alleged fire in the driveway she's put on a temporary conservatorship so a temporary conservatorship or a tcon um is about 30 days and this is basically kind of the stop gap as the court decides if you need to be on a full conservatorship or not and this is part of lps so the Lanterman Petra Short Act of 1967 established these LPS conservatorships. And so these are the ones that I mentioned before have to be mental health referred. 
They're typically handled by the county of the place that you lived in. So the referral will come from the county. Now, working in a correctional facility, that can be us. Uh, it can be someone at the hospital, like if it's a county hospital um, or any like county mental health uh, clinic or a clinic like that where you might go like outpatient. Um, although if you're going outpatient, you're probably not going to be conserved. These are like con- these types of conservatorships are for people who have a mental health issue that is impairing their ability to take care of themselves. So there's there's some evidence that the mental health condition and this can include some substance use conditions as well. Uh, that it's impairing so much in your ability to take care of yourself or your estate that the court is going to have to step in um, and intercede. So first you go on the TCON, you go on the temporary conservatorship, that's about 30 days. And that is when you have to basically get all your ducks in a row and prove to the court like this person needs to go on a conservatorship. So again, here's the key, a key difference between what happened with Brittany is that Brittany wasn't on the TCON. She was just immediately put into the probate um, once her father came up with this plan uh to say she had dementia amanda's put on a temporary conservatorship um which doesn't have the full power behind it so a temporary conservatorship the conservator doesn't have like the complete power over the person because we haven't made it official yet right um so in the process of the tcon then she's eventually put on a conservatorship one year later she's placed on a psychiatric hold again so in california that's called a 5150 and they take you to the the hospital you're put onto the psychiatric floor and you're held for a minimum of 72 hours. Well, if it's going to be more than 72 hours, they have to file more paperwork, but the hold is for 72 hours. So she was placed on the 72 hour fold and the conservative was tweaked at this point. So her mom had been appointed her conservator um, for, from the beginning. And so at, at this point, a year in her mom is still a conservator and there is some um, uh, tweaking done to it, which, I don't know what it was. There's no public information that I could find about what those tweaks were. So we don't have to speculate. Um, but, but something was changed about the conservatorship. And then from then on, so that would be about 2014 until now. So eight years, there's been uh, pretty much no change. Now, she has in the last month filed uh, the papers to end it in a capacity determination, which is just paperwork from a doctor or a psychologist that says kind of what is her capacity at what what um and the judge will um take that into consideration when deciding if the if the conservatorship can be lifted right like is is amanda Bynes at a capacity where she can take care of herself now in the meantime i think the difference in that in this conservatorship is that we haven't heard anything from amanda so far about being like held against her will or being told to do certain things. She has not been acting, which I think is also different from Britney Spears in that during Britney Spears's 14 year conservatorship, she was working pretty much the entire time, whether it was touring or making music, like she was working and Amanda has not been in the same way. Um, in fact, while she's been on the conservatorship, she has been working on her sobriety. Um, and I think she's been about, four or five years sober per her, her, one of her last interviews I read. Um, and she also enrolled in FITM, which is a, a school for fashion design. So, you know, I think this also demonstrates that she's had some agency about decisions to make. You know, her mom didn't veto FITM. She, you know, allowed her to enroll and she's been able to also do these interviews uh, over the last few years with different magazines or news outlets where she's able to, say what she wants to say and she recently got back on social media to post some videos to kind of let people know about where she's at in the process of filing to end the conservatorship 
which again is a big, big difference from Britney Spears in that with Britney Spears, nobody really knew any of this was going on because she was being kept away from her Instagram. She was being kept away from, uh, you know, doing real interviews with people or, or being able to kind of share her own story. Whereas Amanda, it seems, it seems, and just from the outside, right, we don't know the whole story, but it seems a little bit different in that she's kind of able to um, share her own experiences. And she has talked about being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, like I mentioned before, and struggling with addiction. Seems to be mostly Adderall. That She also has talked about um, ecstasy and Molly. For, you know, per her report, she's she's been sober for a while, which I think is great for her. That's a good goal to have to, to kind of get away from some of these substances. And, you know, fashion is better, a better fit for her than acting. Then I think we can all, you know, support her in that. So that's kind of the, the brief timeline of Amanda Bynes. And as I've noted, you know, I think there were some very clear differences between the two cases. And I mean, even down to the conservatorships are different types of conservatorships, um, given the information that we have. I think because us as a culture has gone through the Britney Spears issue, we've been able to see the bad side of a conservatorship. And I think we're able to be more aware of what it takes to end one. I think people are able to understand Amanda Bynes' case and her conservatorship in a different way and understand that it is a great thing for her to be able to file to end it. And uh, from what I've seen, her mom, who is the conservator, is also really supportive of ending it, right? Like, they seem to be on the same page, which is very different from Britney Spears and her dad, where she wanted to end it and he did not. Um, And so I think that also gives us a little bit of hope that you know, for, uh, Amanda Bynes' mother wasn't as nefarious in her uh, implementation of the conservatorship as Britney Spears' dad was, um, per, you know, allegedly per, per what we've seen in the news um, and in interviews. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned, there was that article I discussed in the Britney Spears article uh, episode about, like, stereotypes about, like, white Southern poor women, right? And Britney Spears was, like, kind of, she was held up as a joke, right, of, like, she's this redneck hillbilly like she's not very smart blah 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 like all this stuff because of her being from the south whereas amanda Bynes is from california like she's from southern california she was born here she lives here still um like she's she's a southern california girl so i don't think i don't think the coverage of amanda Bynes ever included that kind of like poor dumb hillbilly stereotype that britney spears did but I do think that her the coverage of her included this stereotype of like women just being unstable, right? Of like women just losing it, <laughs> like not being able to hold it together. Um, and like I said, if you look up some of these headlines, there's like not great language used. Um, and there was also a, a lot of time and attention given to the color of her hair and that she would have when she would show up to court or when she got arrested it would be like oh she's wearing a blue wig as if that had anything to do with her mental status at the time um you know and just a lot of uh, a lot of focus on on how she looked which again if she's being open about the fact that she was having difficulty with her body image and then all these media outlets are making comments about her body whether it's just her hair or whatever that that doesn't help someone to feel better 
I also noticed that some of the the media coverage at the time uh, where she was going through these things really wanted to sensationalize elements of like mental illness or mental health issues that are maybe a, a little more out there. Um, like, so for example, there is a, a there was a story about uh, a tweet that again the Twitter, <laughs> um, a tweet that Amanda Bynes had put out accusing her father of abuse, and she had tweeted like several things about it, and then the next day she tweeted, "None of this is true. There's like a microchip in my brain that made me say all of this." Now, I have done plenty of assessments with people where they've brought up a belief that a microchip is implanted in their head or something is being put in their head to make them do something. And although it's not true, like, and it it could be characterized as a delusion, it is very real for the person going through it. And it is very scary to have this fear that someone has altered your brain or body in a way to make you do something that you wouldn't normally do. And, you know, even if it's a hundred percent not true, it's still terrifying for the person experiencing it. And there are a lot of articles out there who seemed, at the time, seemed to be very gleeful in sharing this story of Amanda Bynes thinks there's a microchip in her head, or Amanda Bynes blames microchip on blah, blah, blah. And I get it. I get that from the outside, it looks weird and maybe kind of funny that someone would say this. But the reality is, is that if this is her experience that she's sharing with us publicly and, you know, maybe she doesn't have to share that publicly, but this, this was an experience that she's sharing publicly there. It's not a funny experience, right? It's not a silly, weird time, right? It, it, there's something very scary happening within her own mind that she probably doesn't have much control over. And, in conjunction with the substance use, right? If, if, cause as she has said, the substance use makes those things worse. She's in a situation where she's taking substances that she thinks is helping her, whether it's to make her skinny, to make her focus, you know, whatever she thinks the effect is. It's in fact making her experience of her mental illness worse. That, that's very terrifying. And that's a cycle that people get stuck in. And so that that's what I say in that, like, the language used to describe this almost seem to be like relishing in the mental health downfall right or like the mental struggle of a person and I think it is important for if we're talking about this right like the reality of these are things that happen in the public eye these are things that either Amanda has talked about or or have been documented I think it's important to talk about what the lived experience of that could feel like and rather than just uh, you know, like I said, relishing in like the silliness of it. And, you know, if someone is going, someone in your life was going through this, how would you want them to be talked about or maybe not talked about, right? Maybe you wouldn't want someone in your life or yourself, if you're going through this, to be talked about in this way. Um, and that, you know, mental health issues are not something to be laughed at. They're not something to be reveled in unless like now listen, I, there's a lot to say for humor as a coping skill, right? It's my favorite <laughs> coping skill. Um, but that's up to the person to decide to make jokes about it, right? Like if Amanda Bynes wants to make jokes about her mental health status, she can't, right? There are lots of comedians. There, One of my favorite comedians, Maria Bamford, makes a lot of comedy content about her diagnosis with bipolar disorder. And it's really funny and it's really honest and it's her experience. And so if that's what Amanda Bynes wants to do, then I think go for it. But I don't think people on the outside of that experience 
need to be making jokes about it or or talking about it in a way that makes it seem frivolous, right? If you truly believe that there is a microchip in your brain, again, that's a really scary experience. And I really want to communicate that, that, you know, I've seen people in the midst of this type of like delusion or this type of like thought disordered issue. And it's very scary for the person. And they, they, I've had people ask me like, is this real? And it's, it's so hard especially in in the context in which I see people, which is quite limited and and more about assessment, not about therapy. You know, it's quite difficult to work on that and like reassure someone, but also help them to do the reality testing and to see like, no, this isn't real. It not being real means you don't have to feel as afraid, right? We can, we can move through this. So I, I just, I don't know that I think that was really bothering me as I was doing the research for this episode, doing the reading. Um, and I think something that I would love to see change, um, especially as uh, I think re- currently we're going through this with the Kanye stuff, which uh, totally different again, because he's a man and a black man. Um, and these are two white women who are, are treated differently in the media. But I think they're, there could be a lot more compassion and grace in the way we talk about mental health issues and not so gleefully reveling in someone who maybe is experiencing thought disorders uh, or mood disorders that are impacting like their cognitive perception of the world. So that's just, again, my soapbox of the day, <laughs> um, especially given the, the way that, that uh, I think Amanda Bynes was talked about. Now, I also do think it is important that just because someone has a mental health issue doesn't mean that they aren't worth like taking responsibility for their actions. And this goes back to the point I was making about like, she would get these charges dropped or not have to serve time for being arrested for things. Um, and like one of the charges was for texting and driving your, your mental health status isn't making you text and drive, right? Like we can take responsibility for the actions that we have, even if we're going through some, some mental health struggles. So, and, and her charges getting dropped have nothing to do with her mental health. It has to do with her wealth <laughs> and her status, right? And so that's, I think, the duality of this case and also the Britney Spears case, right, is that the, the wealth and status of these women elevates their stories to public attention and that should come with it some, some compassion in how we talk about them. But there should also still be public accountability when, like, people are hurt um, by the actions, right, of someone who, who may be going through these things. Um, so all that to say, you know, we're going to see an outcome, uh, for Amanda Bynes on the 22nd. Uh, you know, hopefully it's the outcome that she and her family want and that's best for her treatment. Um, but, you know, I'll keep an eye on it and see if there's a need to do any updates. Um, Otherwise, you know, this was episode two of of the Women's History Month special. Uh, Don't forget to check out the Instagram account. There are every Saturday I'm doing a post about a famous um, woman psychologist who made uh, an impact so far. We've posted about Karen Hornay, who created the idea of womb envy and Mamie Phipps Clark, who... Uh, designed and implemented the infamous doll study, which was actually used to provide some support and a footnote for Brown versus the Board of Education. So check out the Instagram, which is underscore psychologically underscore minded underscore, uh, or a link is in the show notes because that's a lot of underscores to type out. Um, Otherwise, I just want to say thank you again for listening through the episode and and I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. 
see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com or click the link in the show notes. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and see you in the next episode. Thank you.